You're listening to DraftKings Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, boys, another victory lap. Go ahead. Everyone pat yourself on the back. We did it again. You did it. <laughs> you did it. Hey, right, look, man, it's a team effort. I couldn't do it without those little pixels on my screen, one in San Francisco and the other one in North Carolina. We all did it, man. We all share the spoils of war. But, man, I told y'all, man. I told y'all. There is no bigger moneymaker, not LeBron versus Steph, not KD versus the reigning MVP, not Philly versus Boston part who knows what. It's Knicks heat, man. There's nothing like it. Right now, as we speak, I could probably throw a rock and hit Madison Square Garden from where I'm sitting right now, if I could open the window, which I can't. I mean, when did you buy these tickets? Uh, like, when did you plan this trip? Because you already knew this, that it was going to be Nick's Heat. So how early did you know that it was going to be Nick's Heat? I don't give away, like, too much of how much my third eye can see. Right. The problem is, Tom, when you have to play the game, oh, i got to play the game. I couldn't request ahead of time. I had to play the game and pretend like, oh, oh, results are out. Oh, okay, guys, I'll be here. But I already kind of knew I had a, I had a hunch as I'm winking at the camera right now. With your third eye. It's crazy. I've never seen you do that, by the way. I know. Here's the weird part. You take a gander at the schedule. Now, Lakers Warriors saw the schedule. They are on every other day. It's not just them. It's every second round series. Every other day. Well, not every second round series. Wait, what? Not every second round. Why? What are you talking about? I mean, there is a rather suspicious gap between game two and game three of Nick's Heat. And do you know why? Why? I want you to look through the schedule and see what network game four is on. Pulling up the schedule, Nick's Heat. Oh, oh I want to see. Uh, oh, is it on NBA TV? Perhaps. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe they put on ESPN Ocho. <laughs> Game three is Saturday, May 6th, 3.30. Oh, wow. Oh, it's a Saturday. Oh, Saturday. No one watches TV on Saturday. <laughs> let's put it. Let's put it on transistor. No, they put on ABC. It's the facts. I think I figured it out, Tom. Mm. Amin's still undercover with the mouse. That's how he has this access to high class information about broadcasting schedules. And This interview is over. He's eight six. Let's go to Madison Square Garden. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. 
Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but... all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by the five-star generals, Amin El Hassan and producer Anthony Mays, the co-presidents of the Illumination at your service. Hey, we have Nick's Heat already in the books. We called that. We called the Tony Brothers, Spencer Dinwiddie. We called the punching in the groin area last week. Maze, we were talking about all the groin hits and the epidemic of below-the-belt nut shots, and then you said just rhetorically. Tom, who's getting punched in the dick next? Tom, you're the expert. You're the Woodward and Bernstein of dick punches in the NBA. <laughs> and we had another one. We have to chalk up another one for the record books. This wasn't quite as enthusiastic, but poor Jason Tatum got a quick strike to the testicles. <laughs> right in the balls of Rooney. Right in the Tucker. Right in the PJ. It's dick punch season, folks. But we're not going to talk about that. I could have done more research on that, but I've done so much research being the spotlight, the investigative reporter on dick punches in the NBA. We got another one, but I don't need to do research on that. I'm going to do research on... Seed bingo. I'll explain later in that segment. I like to call Tom did his own research, but first. You are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin El Hassan. Malcolm Brogdon, is he a double agent somehow with the Sixers? I'm trying to figure out, is he like a Maury guy that he tried to get and then threw the ball directly to Tyrese Maxey at the end of the shot clock? An absolute boneheaded play by one of the smartest NBA players in the league. Feels like something's happening here with the Celtics. Like, What was that possession? Man, I've been confused. This whole playoffs have had a series of confusing decisions slash non-decisions by multiple parties. And this was just another one. Put that right up there with Bud doing God knows what. Game five against Miami. Not calling a timeout with the Kings defensive game plan of... Maybe let's just not guard Steph Curry. Everyone's having these massive brain farts on huge stages. Tibbs and the Knicks. Hey, there's a guy hobbled with a peg leg. Nah, let's not go at him at all. Oh, my God. That might might be my favorite. (laughs) Five minutes? Tibbs and Jimmy Butler had a strong relationship. I didn't know it was that strong. Dude. That he was not willing to go at Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. For five minutes? It was nuts. 
Oh, I mean, I know that. Yeah, that's a sensitive word today, mm, Tom. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of cringed a little. James Harden, is he secretly the MVP of the 76ers? I mean, he finally gets his due here in the second round. First game on the road in Boston. 45 points. As soon as we find out, oh, the NBA is going to announce Tuesday night. They're not going to reveal who's going to win the MVP, but it's going to be Tuesday night after Nikola Jokic has his two home games Mm -hmm. after the series switches from Denver to Phoenix. We're going to make the MVP announcement on a Tuesday night. And James Harden's out here. He's like, man, I'm the real MVP. I'm going to tell you what, man. First of all, we didn't pat ourselves on the back hard enough, hard enough. Uh-huh. Wow. And the gold open because we kind of talked about this last week too. We gave you the quotes from James Harden telling you, hey man, I'm doing whatever it takes to win. It's not that I can't do that shit anymore. It's that they don't need me to do this shit anymore. And guess what? They needed him to do that shit some more. And guess what? He did that shit some more. Yo, I'm so happy <laughs> that they switched Marcus Smart off of James Harden there at that last play so that Al Horford could defend James Harden. It was so perfect because I thought last year the Marcus Smart depoy was a total fraud. It's kind of like the Joel Embiid of this year with the MVP where there was a narrative shift at the very end and then Marcus Smart wins it because he flops a lot and he gives a lot of outwardly energetic, tangible defensive plays. He's like maybe the third, fourth best defensive player on that team. I'd probably put Derek White and Robert Williams the third above Marcus Smart. And you know how I know that he's the third best defender on that team? Because they switched him off of James Harden so that Al Horford could have that at the end of the game. That's how we know that that was a fraud. Their own team would rather have Marcus Smart off of James Harden and put Al Horford. How old is Al Horford right now? Al Horford's 85 years old. Why are we switching Marcus Smart off of James Harden so that an 85-year-old Al Horford can guard James Harden, who's been cooking the team? Well, hold on, Tom. It's not like you have any statistical numbers backing up what you're claiming. I thought Horford did a pretty good job. I thought they contained it pretty well. No, no. The data is clear. Robust. Al Horford got cooked. Well done. It was charred and everything, how cooked he was against James Harden. I mean, James Harden's eyes got so big. That's not well done, Tom. That's congratulations. <laughs> Harden the interruption, Tom, but that was James Harden's highest scoring game in a 76ers uniform. No Embiid. Moments out there with Tyrese Maxey on the bench, PJ Tucker setting screens for him. We really got Houston North. Finally, the vision was completed. Daryl Morey's plan. It happened. He's done it. He's gotten Joel Embiid out of there. He's beating the Celtics without the MVP of this season. What more could you ask for from Morey Ball? It's going to be great watching Heat Sixers when Joel Embiid is playing in South Beach. (laughs) (laughs) And James Harden is doing it all while wearing the worst pregame outfits In the history of the sport. Hold on. Kyle Kuzma would like a word. Mm. It's true. Russell Westbrook would like a word. Oh, Russell Westbrook. Did Kuzma put up these outfits in the playoffs, though? No. Regular season. He's a regular season fashion star. Yeah. He doesn't have what it takes to follow up his game four against Brooklyn trash bag pants fit with a 
cookie monster outfit for game one of this series somewhere out there. Wazzy Lambre of full court fits is having a field day with all of this <laughs> content from James Harden. What about the fact that it was the Met Gala as well? Did he make an appearance? Was he also in a cat outfit after the game? I didn't get why was everyone dressed like a cat? It was Carl Lagerfeld's cat, and it was in honor of Carl Lagerfeld. And so two people had the same genius idea. Shout out to Doja Cat and my mortal enemy, Jared Leto. And Little Nas X was dressed like a cat, too. Maybe Daryl Moore needs to protest and have a Met Gala every day because that James Harden performance was vintage. And he did it without going to the free throw line. Again, it's a different player. He used to go to the line 15, 20 times when he would drop a 40 bomb. And now he went to the free throw line four times. There's something weird going on. There's something weird going on in the NBA right now, guys. In the first quarter, there were no free throws by either team in that Boston Philly game. Zero free throws. I think we had two in the entire first half. Playoff basketball, right? One game. Except it happened in the Denver Phoenix game. The referees didn't call a single shooting foul in the first quarter again. It hadn't happened in the postseason yet, guys, where we had both teams not going to the free throw line for the entire first frame of the game. And then it happened twice in the same night. Well, it's the second round, Tom. Everything's different now. Mm, It's real. We got Tony brothers, Spencer Dinwiddie out of the way. And now the real officiating can begin. (laughs) It's playoff basketball. We want to bring it back. It's too much scoring. You know, we're bringing defense. We're giving defense another leg. We're bringing defense back. Yep. Bringing defense back. Letting them hack. These other scorers don't know how to act. Yep. Take them to the bridge. 30 man. Justin Tomberlake. KD. Is looking around very much like Fresh Prince mm-hmm. when they moved out of the Bel Air house. But he just got there. <laughs> is he looking around because he moved into a new house that had to get rid of all the furniture when he arrived? <laughs> this is the problem. KD, Devin Booker, who was out for like half the season with a groin injury, now has Chris Paul out with a groin injury. Pesky groins. And now he's got to basically do this himself. Tom, what is it about your Wake Forest brethren and playoff injuries? Why does he get hurt so much at this time of year, every single year? Oh, I'm sorry. Is Ish Smith injured? Oh, he's just leading the the Denver Nuggets <laughs> to the NBA championship. Oh, I'm sorry. Was James Johnson not just named the scariest, most feared player in the NBA? Oh, I'm sorry, Amin. Did I just see Jeff Teague tell the best story about Jimmy Butler? He's running out of Wake Forest players in the league. <laughs> Did I not just see the most riveting storytelling of any player in NBA history? Time run out. They win. They beat us like 18-6, right? Man, Jimmy going crazy. Y'all think that team can win without me? I'm him. Pay me. Pay me. Mind you, he ain't took off his Jordan warm-up yet, right? He finally takes it off. He got the Timberwolves shirt on, but he cut the Minnesota out the so it's just chest. <laughs> wow. He cut the Minnesota out the shorts. It's just shorts. 
He out here with a hole in the middle of his shirt <laughs> on the middle of his leg. So I'm crying now. Yo, I'm crying. I'm like, yo, bro, crazy. I'm giving credit to Jeff Teague and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons for that story. Yes, I'm taking credit for that. You have a Jake LaRavia drop that you want to give us as well? Oh, uh, he checked out a long time ago. Once he saw this whole Dylan Brooks thing happen, the John Moranthi, he's like, I'm good. By the way, can we just talk about that Jeff Teague story? I know this is the agenda. I know we're talking about the playoffs and everyone's got to beat tables to tell everybody who's doing better in the playoffs. Who is that? Who just showed up? I don't, I don't know. Is there a cigar in your mouth right now? I'm an angry sports talk host and my levels are spiking. <laughs> I'm an angry sports talk host and I believe that you know, the, the, the playoffs are about matchups and we got to talk about those. I want to talk about Jeff Teague telling this horseshit story. Guys, I refuse. I'm done. Wait a minute. It's horseshit. Are you breaking news right now? I'm breaking news, literally. I'm taking news that's come out, and I'm breaking it over my leg. Is that this, this is not real, right? So here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. We started with, hey, man, Jimmy Butler showed up to the first practice, dominated, and then did an interview with Rachel Nichols afterwards. It's true. Those are facts. Yes. Then it turned into, hey, man, Jimmy Butler showed up to his first practice of the year and beat the first stringers while he was playing with a team of third stringers. The source on that, I think, was Amino Hassan. Damn right it was. And then did an interview with Rachel Nichols. Okay. Then it turned into, hey, man, Jimmy Butler went to the first practice of the year, took the third stringers, beat the first stringers, and held down Carl Anthony Towns to zero points the whole time in the drill. And then he went and did an interview with Rachel Nichols. Then it was, hey man, Jimmy Butler showed up to the first practice of the year, took the third stringers, beat the first stringers, held Carl Anthony Towns to zero points, and didn't take a single shot. And then he went and did an interview with Rachel Nichols. Then it was, hey man, Jimmy Butler showed up to his first practice of the year, took the third stringers, Beat the first stringers. Held Carl Anthony Towns to zero points. He himself took zero shots. And he did all of this while he had a Rolex on. And then he did an interview with Rachel Nichols. And now we've got, hey man, Jimmy Butler showed up to his first practice of the year. Took the third stringers. Beat the first stringers. Held Carl Anthony Towns to zero points. He himself took no shots. Did it all while wearing a Rolex. And at the end of it, opened up his shirt and revealed that he had sniffed out the word Minnesota out of his practice jersey. So it was just a chest stripe in the middle of his jersey. And then he went and did an interview with Rachel Nichols. Ladies and gentlemen, why do you think these details are trickling out four years later by coincidence? Get the f*** out of here, man. Shit ain't real. Well, you don't even have a rebuttal. You're just saying, hey, this can't be true because they're trickling out later. Yes. With Jimmy Butler. Yes. Because it's so insane. Everyone wants to know. Dumb. Everyone knew about the practice. Why would anyone leave that detail out? Because it's the gift that keeps on giving, man. <laughs> There's too much to say. You can't say all of that in the first going because no one would believe you. You got to slow play it, man. This is a classic example of story topping. Yes. <laughs> where someone tells a story, hey, I went to this basketball game and it was awesome. It's a game of 
telephone. And then Amin would jump in and say, oh, I went to a basketball game and an alien showed up and beamed down onto the court. That's what's happening here with this Jimmy Butler story. It's myth making. Of the highest order. It's Paul Bunyan-esque. And he did it all while his big blue ox (laughs) watched from the sidelines and cheered. That's ox. Ox with an O. I can't believe you're calling Jeff Teague a liar, first of all. (laughs) An insane liar. That's over the line. He has no incentive to lie. He's on to great things. He doesn't need his name out there in the ether. (laughs) He's doing fine. Okay, I mean. He cut the Minnesota out of the shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Just so good. And his cock was hanging out of that hole. (laughs) That's all that's missing. The whole time. Okay. I don't even know what we were talking about, to be honest. Getting back on track, Chris Paul had a groin injury. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And he went to Wake Forest. Yes. Tom. All right. Woo. Amin was saying, what's with all the groin hitting? And I literally did check Julius Hodges' Twitter feed just to see if he had any comment after after the game. Did he? Turns out he did not. So (laughs) I don't think it's a laughing matter. Darn. From time to time, he does. Chime in whenever, but it's typically when a certain someone does the crotch shot. So he's out, could barely walk off the floor. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are having to go it alone against Nikola Jokic and the rest of his all-stars and all-NBA supporting cat. Oh, wait, sorry. Doesn't have one. Not one. First time an MVP has never had an all-star or all-NBA player on his team. Same season. And Jamal Murray was playing at that level. Until Monday night when he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And they still won because Jokic put the team on his back. That's right. Because the MVP. And KD was getting blocked. It was an ugly performance from KD. Very rare that he has fewer points than field goal attempts. That's just not KD's game. But man, if he had better supporting cast, a deeper team like Mikal Bridges or Cam Johnson Mm. or maybe Jay Crowder. Maybe he'd have easier shots. Maybe he had better spacing. Maybe they wouldn't have two, three guys guarding KD and draping over him all the time because, hey, they are a very top-heavy roster. And I just kind of feel like, guys, the kitchen sink deal in the NBA Mm -hmm. is plaguing these organizations. Hmm. The idea that I can get Kevin Durant. Now, wait, hold on. What's a kitchen sink deal? Kitchen sink deal is as defined. A trade in which a team acquires a star and gives up at least one young player or at least one player in the deal plus four first round picks, at least four first round picks. I mean, when you were with the Suns, how often did these deals happen? The chick, the kitchen sink. I almost said the chicken sink deal. Ooh. The kitchen sink deal. Give me a chicken sink deal ASAP. Ooh, yeah, that does a fried chicken sink deal. Oh, uh, makes doing the dishes fun. How many fried chicken sink deals did you see at the Suns? Like this idea of getting Kevin Durant, getting Rudy Gobert, getting Donovan Mitchell, trades for star players happen, but the fried chicken deal didn't happen. Was Shaquille O'Neal one of those? That was a barbecue chicken deal. Yeah, that's true. Chickstranamus? No, Shaq's deal was famously for Karan Butler, Brian Grant, and Lamar Odom. And that's it? They didn't have any picks in that? Karan Butler, Brian Grant, Lamar Odom, a 2006 first that turned into Jordan Farmar. One first and one second. Wow, I would have guessed they got far more than that for Shaq. <laughs> I used the name of Jordan Farmar as a replacement for four more, far more 
There that. Can we put the Shacked and a Fool music on that one, Maze? It's Shacked and a Fool. It's Shacked and a Fool. Ooh, I use pun word. Can you just answer the question? Did these deals happen? No, not with four. You're saying four pick exchanges? Yeah, four first round picks, whether it's two swaps and two firsts, no. or three firsts and a swap, no. or just four first round picks. No, that, that was unheard of to give that many picks away. Because remember, you got to go every other year as far as setting the pick, and then in those off years, you're doing a pick swap. So you're talking about four years of giving up the rights to your draft control. No one did that. I mean, that's insane. Because here we have the Phoenix Suns, mid-season fried chicken sink deal. Kevin Durant for Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and five first-round picks, four unprotected firsts, and a swap. Last summer, you had Donovan Mitchell going from Utah to Cleveland. Cleveland giving up five firsts, three unprotected firsts, two swaps, and Larry Markkinen, who became a starter in the All-Star game, Colin Sexton and Ochai Akbaji. Then you had also Minnesota doing the same thing. Rudy Gobert, five firsts, three unprotected, and a swap and a protected first. Not only that, you got Walker Kessler, who was a 22 first-round pick, who turned into the second coming of, I don't know, Rudy Gobert, cost-controlled and 21 years old. What happened to Minnesota? What happened to Cleveland? First-round outs. Tom, quick aside, right now, today, would you trade Rudy Gobert straight up for Walker Kessler? I would not, no. Because of the contracts, right? You'd rather have a cost-controlled Walker Kessler than Rudy Gobert. Yeah, and he's younger, and Rudy Gobert, I think the back injury and throwing his arm out, his shoulder out while trying to punch a teammate, all of that, not as appealing as Walker Kessler, a quiet dude who goes about his business, not going to punch teammates. Also, we should point out that Larry Markinen, winner of the Most Improved Player Award, which, if you had listened to us talk to Max Crows, you would have known well before the award was announced. Hold on, I got to stretch. I got to go back to, oh, there it is. Yep. One more round of back padding. Must be St. Patty's Day today, huh? Yeah. Patting it on your back. Patty cake, patty cake, and my back has some cake. Am I missing any maze? Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. Well, there's also DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray, look at that. Yeah. DeJounte Murray, also a fried chicken sink deal mm. where the Spurs got four first, two unprotected, a pick swap and a protection in addition to the rooster himself. Speaking of chicken, yeah. Danilo Gallinari. The cock. You've taken this metaphor here and you've twisted it up with the fried chicken part. I feel like I should clarify that it's anything but the kitchen sink is the phrase. Is it? So we're not trading the kitchen sink of picks for these players. But they did. We're saying, you can have all my picks, but you can't have my kitchen sink. Oh. Of all things, why is the kitchen sink the most valuable thing? I did some research on this, Tom, not to steal your job, but... Whoa, Maze did some research. Apparently because kitchen sinks used to be really heavy, and in World War II, the term was that they threw everything but the kitchen sink, which used to be an immovable object in the house. Ah, so they do everything that wasn't basically bolted down. All right, so if the kitchen sink doesn't work, then I'll just go with the fried chicken, the Popeye deal. 
Okay, Popeye's deal? No, you're fine. Just it's everything but the kitchen sink. The picks are at the kitchen sink. So we're not giving away the chicken. Yeah, but that doesn't... The chicken is not getting given away. That's what we're saying. You're giving away as much chicken as you want, just not the sink. So you want me to continue with the fried chicken deal or you want me to go kitchen deal? I just wanted to clarify for our listeners Okay. the origins of the kitchen sink. Now you might be asking yourself, the kitchen sink deal. Surely there was something before DeJounte Murray and Rudy Gobert this past summer. Oh, there was. James Harden, the Brooklyn Nets, giving up eight firsts, four unprotected firsts, and four pick swaps into eternity and beyond for James Harden, and that blew up in epic fashion. Yeah, you should go ahead and cross out James Harden and put Ben Simmons, because that's what they still have. Drew Holiday, 2020, the Milwaukee Bucks traded Steven Adams, well, I guess Eric Bledsoe, and the Pelicans acquired Steven Adams as part of the deal. But four first round picks, two unprotected and two swaps for a guy who hadn't been in the all-star game in about a decade. But that one worked out, right, Tom? Yeah. They got their title. I guess so. And then they got eliminated by Jimmy Butler in the heat this year in one of the most embarrassing failures. Well, if Chris Paul could move his arm in the finals, maybe the Drew Holiday deal wouldn't have panned out. I'm just saying. So that was 2020. Then there was Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. the Houston Rockets acquiring Russell Westbrook from OKC, four first round picks, two unprotected, two swaps in exchange for Chris Paul, who then led that team OKC to the playoffs mm. in the bubble. Don't forget about Paul George, seven first round picks. OKC Ugh. had them against the wall, had them by the, you know, what's the, you know, what's we're not saying the word anymore because it's a sensitive topic around here. The deal is just so bad. Seven first round picks and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Four first round picks and three pick swaps. And then there was the whole Miami Heat deal that got renegotiated later on. And the cock himself, the rooster, Danilo Gallinari, included in that deal as well. Lots of cock. Fried chicken. (laughs) But the one that I keep coming back to, the one that might have started it all, Anthony Davis the Lakers acquiring Anthony Davis from the Pelicans. That's all folks. Four first round picks, two unprotected, one protected first and a swap. In addition to Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart, that kitchen sink deal in 2019, it started it all. Yeah, that one, they got the players, the young players and the picks threading the needle between what trades used to be like where you trade the established star for the young players. Yeah. But then you also tack on four first round picks. You might get a pick or two picks in there. The concept of getting four first round picks, whether it's outright or with pick swaps or in the case of Anthony Davis, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It's an insane kind of concept that seems to have started with that deal The question I have for both of you guys is whose fault is this? Why is this now the norm? Who started this shit? Because this is a copycat league. People see shit and then they want to do that shit too. I have some theories on who started it. I want to hear what you guys think. Well, I think it's clear. It's Anthony Davis. He's the one who wanted to get to LA. No one was pulling the strings. It was just Anthony Davis that wanted to get to LA. No one else in that situation that was in his ear trying to get him to LA. That was just him personally. He wanted to go there. You're right, Tom. No one pulled the strings. No one engineered this from behind the scenes. Nobody benefited from Anthony Davis showing up in Los Angeles 
by the name of one LeBron James. No, wait, 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 wait. But Anthony Davis, who was his agent at the time? Oh, is Thad Fouché. Thad Fouché. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, he did fire him, though, when he didn't get traded. Mm. And who came in? The puppeteer. The man pulling the strings. Rich Paul. Hello. It's a puppeteer puppeteering a puppeteer with Anthony Davis as the ultimate puppet. That's outside the box thinking, folks. It's cute. I'll give you that. Hello from the other side. And let me point out that this one worked. They also got their championship, which, as we've learned from countless years of NBA history, it's all worth it if you get a title. So the key seems to be here that if you give up the kitten caboodle to New Orleans, you're going to get your championship piece, right? That's what's happening here. Yet another reason for the Knicks to give up everything but the kitchen sink for Zion. Guys, I admire your attempts, but I got a name for you. I'll tell you whose fault this all is. Because Anthony Davis doesn't care. He just wants to get L.A. And Rich Paul doesn't care. He just wants to get his client to L.A. The person who's demanding all these picks... The person who started it, who had the inception brain of saying, give me all your picks, was none other than a man who built a championship team in Cleveland and, I guess, assisted in building championship teams in Milwaukee and L.A., David Griffin. It's Griff's fault, man. He did it not once but twice. Repeat offender. Yeah, he's an absolute repeat offender. He did it with a Hall of Fame caliber player in Anthony Davis. Then he did it with a guy, Drew Holiday. Like, who knew you could just lower the bar of asking that many picks for a guy who had been an all-star a decade earlier? I don't put it past Griff to be this kind of guy who's going to squeeze every last drop. Him and Sam Presti, two peas in a pod when it comes to all this. That's your culprit right there. That's who to blame, ladies and gentlemen, for all these crazy chicken sink deals. David Grifton. Ha! Wait a minute. I mean, the dots. I can see it's not Orion's belt. It's a kitchen sink. I'm seeing the constellation. It's forming, but there's a missing connection here. What are you seeing, Tom? I think I pretty much broke this down. No. All the way down to the kitchen sink. There's never been a kitchen sink deal before 2019. It wasn't even a thing. Not even a thing. Wait a minute. You're trying to make fetch happen. How about this? Donovan Mitchell. Where was he traded from? Utah. Rudy Gobert. Utah. And who was making those deals? Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Justin Zanuck. Nope. Not Dennis Lindsay either. Who is the man pulling the strings for those deals? Danny Ainge. That's right. He's the new boss in Utah. You're getting warmer. I mean. Okay. It's 2022 though. Yeah. That's after Griffin did both of his trades. Griff is the originator. Oh, who was the originator for the originator? His mom. Yeah. We're doing puppeteer of the puppeteer again. Was Danny Ainge the shadow GM of the Pelicans this whole time? Is that what you're telling me? Put your son's hat back on. I mean, Boston.com, an interview with David Griffin. He was a person that I think had a really big impact upon my ability to get into scouting in the first place. He called me freak. He still calls me freak. We make fun of each other rather often. His nickname in our building was well known to us as well. I mean, I don't know what that nickname is. But you know who Griffin is talking about here? He is talking about none other than Danny Ainge. Oh, come on. His mentor in Phoenix. Danny Ainge called David Griffin freak? Yeah, he did. That is true. But Tom, again, well, so what? So Danny Ainge called him in New Orleans and told him, hey, man, you should try this new thing that no one else has done? Ask for more picks, man. Come on, man. They'll give you as many picks as you want, man. Just not the kitchen sink. Think back. I mean, think back. 
2013. The kitchen sink of all kitchen sink steals. I'm drawing a blank, man. You want to clue us in here? Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce to the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, oh no. Danny Ainge, the heists of all heists <sighs> in the NBA. Maybe the greatest trade in NBA history. I remember Daryl Morey. He was telling me that Danny Ainge should be the GM, the executive of the year for the next decade because of this trade. Gerald Wallace, Chris Humphreys, Marshawn Brooks, Chris Joseph, Keith Bogans, the 2014 Brooklyn first rounder, the 2016, the 2018, and the 2017 swap. Danny Ainge. Keith Bogans wasn't even in the league. They made Keith Bogans sign a deal just to make this deal work. <laughs> they made Keith Bogans sign a deal just so we could get the most disappointed picture of all time of those three dudes holding up the Celtics jerseys <laughs> like they're being led to the firing squad. Maze, it was... Danny Ainge from the beginning of the story. The puppeteer. Oh, you guys are untradeable. <laughs> Griff told this story on the jump that he was the video coordinator mm -hmm. for Danny Ainge in Phoenix. Sidebar. That's how he justified my meager salary my first year as a video <laughs> coordinator. I said, that's how much I made when I was a video coordinator. And I said, hi, oh, you got a point. And then I was like, but Griff, this was like 10 years ago. <laughs> Inflation has happened, man. He squeezed every drop, even from me. So Danny Ainge was the coach of the Phoenix Suns. We can all blame Danny Ainge. And we know how well that worked out for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And they still couldn't learn, man. So obviously <laughs> it's a model to follow all the way to Kevin Durant. That's why when Matt Ishbia took ownership of the Phoenix Suns, he said, yeah, throw McCall Bridges in the deal. Get me Kevin Durant. Give up everything but the kitchen sink. So now the Brooklyn Nets got swept in the first round by the Philadelphia 76ers. No Joel Embiid in game four because he was injured, kept falling on himself, and now he's probably going to be out in game two. Bought himself a game here, James Harden. Bought himself a game to show why he's the MVP of the team. But it's really interesting to me. The number six seed Brooklyn Nets with Mikel Bridges averaging 25 points a game got swept in the first round. Didn't even put up a fight. Very odd. It's almost like this was destiny. It's almost like there was a script that the Philadelphia 76ers had to get into the second round as the number three seed. And the Brooklyn Nets had to fall out of the playoffs. Let me get some visine for this Nets segment because my third eye is bright red right now. Coming up. I'm going to get out my calculator. I'm going to crunch some data. What does that look like? You doing your own research. Are you doing studies yourself? Are you in the lab on a nightly basis? What are you doing? Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Doing your own research. I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to tell everyone that this is it. For me, it's just um, just giving everyone a chance to do their own research and find their own knowledge. Fellas, I know you're at the edge of your seat. Whatever you're doing right now listening to this, I know that you can't wait to find out what we're talking about here. I teased it in the beginning. The seed bingo. I mean, Maze, I did some research. 
And you might have seen this in the airwaves. You might have seen this in mainstream media, but not going as deep as we're about to go. Did you know that this is the first time in NBA history that we have had each of the eight seeds represented in the conference semifinals? Think about it. Tom, I actually did connect some dots on this because we talked last week about how the seven seed advancing is even rarer than the eight seed advancing. And we went through all of those situations and none of them happened in the same year. We never had a seven and an eight win a playoff series in the same playoffs, let alone a six, let alone a five. And here we are. We've got Denver, Boston, Philly, Phoenix, New York, Golden State, the number six seed, Miami eight and the Lakers at number seven. So we did it. We got the seed bingo. Mm-hmm. All of the bingo slots are filled. You can put those transparent shiny discs right on top of that space for each of the eight slots in the NBA conference semifinals. But I ask you a question, I mean, mm-hmm. how many upsets seed upsets did we have last year? Think about it. Last year. Let's see. I'm going to say none, right? We had chalk. To the first round. Chalk. Each of the two number one seeds, number two seeds, number three seeds, and number four seeds all moved on. A snooze fest of a first round. I mean, that's typical, right? Like, that's why they're the higher seeds. I mean, I did some research. Oh, no. There it is. 2022, all chalk. 2019, all chalk. 2008, all chalk. 2004, 2002, 1997, and 1986. Those are the only times we had all chalk. We've had it twice in the last five years. And the other two years, not including this one, it was the five seed upsetting the four seed. 14 of the 16 series went chalk in the first round over the last four years. And the only upsets that we saw in the first round was five over four. We have basically had the sleepiest first rounds for the last four years. And then all of a sudden, The stars are aligning. Think about what needed to happen in order for the seed bingo to be completed this year. I want you guys to look this up. What happened March 25th? March 25th. uh, Let's see. NBA scores. Might have gone to the grocery store. I'm talking about in the NBA. Oh, is that the the Tony Brothers game where he refed in New York and and Spencer did what he played at home (laughs) in Brooklyn? Different game. Might have been a different one. What happened in that game was Miami tanked it. So they could fall out of the sixth seed. Mm. Miami Heat lost to the Brooklyn Nets. No, I remember. They wanted to win that game. They were talking about this is a big deal. They fell out of the number six seed, which meant that they had to play in the play-in tournament. And what happened in the play-in tournament? I mean, they lost Atlanta. In order to get what seed? I mean, well, I mean, they ended up having to beat Chicago. They were losing that game too, but they ended up beating them and got to the eighth seed where they played Milwaukee, a team that they've beaten in the first round before. But in order to follow the script, they needed to lose the play-in first round and win the second one to get to the eighth slot so they could play the Milwaukee Bucks and get that eight over one seed and complete that peg of the seed bingo. What else happened? How did the Warriors get to the sixth seed? Well, They were tied in the standings. And I mean, as someone who's been behind the scenes in the front office and working for teams, how do tiebreakers work? First tiebreakers, you're head to head. Right. And the Clippers had the same record as the Golden State Warriors, 44 and 38. Uh The Clippers ended up with the five seed. How did that happen? 
Well, they had the head-to-head. No, it's 2-2. Oh, then the next tiebreaker is their in-division record. And they're in the same division, right? Yep. Clippers, 9-7 and seven, in-division. Mm-hmm. Warriors, 7-9. and nine. The difference between those records is basically attributed to the Lakers. Because the Lakers went 0-4 against the Clippers so that the Clippers could get the five seed and the Warriors could get the six seed. The Warriors were one in three against the Lakers. We're going to blame Rich Paul and LeBron James again, right here, because they were the deciding factor. The puppeteer of the puppeteer. So in history, we've come close to the seed bingo. In 2007, seven of the eight seeds were completed, crossed off the list. The one that didn't happened was the number seven seed. Maze, can you tell me who were the seven seeds in 2007? Tell you the eight seed was Golden State Warriors, we believe. We believe. That's two weeks in a row we've done we believe content. 2007, seven seeds. We had the LA Lakers against the Phoenix Suns. Huh. We slapped the motherfuckers around. Oh, oh, <laughs> Although the most memorable moment was Kobe Duncan on Steve Nash. And in the East, we had the Washington Wizards getting (laughs) swept out by LeBron. En route to the finals. Oh, man. That was the great Gilbert Arenas, Ron Butler, Anton Jameson Troika. Was that? No, that wasn't the Soldier Boy year. That was the year after the Soldier Boy year, 2007. We couldn't get that, I mean? You couldn't let the Lakers win that series so that we could complete? No. You didn't get the script, maybe. You guys didn't see the script. It got lost in the email. I believe that was a writer's strike. No, I think it's quite the opposite, Tom. I think he scripted it so that we could talk about Seed Bingo 16 years later on Basketball Illuminati. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) When the show was just an idea in his head. You think this was just 2007? It wasn't. It goes back to 1989. 1989. Number eight seed was the only thing missing. We had a six upset. We had a seven upset. We were missing an eight over the one. We had in 1987, again, seven out of the eight bingo slots crossed off. This is the first time we've ever had it. We've come close three times. I'm blaming Amin for not completing it earlier, but the script was written for it to happen while Basketball Illuminati was on the air in 2023. The first time ever we've had all eight seeds represented in the second round right after chalk, 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 chalky talk. CBA gets signed. Keep your third eye open. Everyone, all the owners needed to believe that they had a chance to win a championship. What better way to do that? than to have all eight seeds represented in the conference semifinals. Yeah, this seems like a great argument for the play-in tournament. The fact that you could lose a game in the play-in, then win a game in the play-in, then win a series. The fact that there was so much flux and especially the Western Conference of flux capacitor down to the last minute, not being sure what seed you would get, keeping it interesting. And then once you get into the playoffs, who knows? Any seed could advance. Once you get to the playoffs, in the words of KG, anything is possible. Any seed is possible.
I was really, really curious who Dylan Brooks respects mm-hmm. because he doesn't respect LeBron. No, too old. Maybe he respects the Lakers now that they beat them by 40 in game six. Yep. Maybe he respects the franchise, respects the laundry. But in the last two seasons, the only players to have scored 40 points against the Memphis Grizzlies, Paul George twice, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Kyrie Irving, and Steph Curry. And I'm guessing that the only players that Dylan Brooks spent most of his time guarding are Paul George and Devin Booker. So that's it. That's the list of players that Dylan Brooks respects. Wait, but he didn't say 40 points, Mays. LeBron gave him 40. It was just the 20 points, 20 rebounds. Brooks respects the laundry, respects LeBron for the 2020. Mm. And I do believe that game six might've been LeBron's 40th playoff victory in his career. Game 40. That's too complicated for Dylan Brooks. Yeah. No, you got to literally put it right in his face. Otherwise you're not going to get his respect, which is what everybody wants. His third eye isn't open. You know what else isn't open? Apparently, according to Sham Sharania of the athletic negotiations for Dylan Brooks to return to Memphis. He's an impending free agent. And apparently negotiations are over and they don't have an interest in bringing him back. And guys, I want to take this opportunity to deliver yet another third eye wide open prediction. You had an inconvenient truth about Dylan Brooks, but now you're doing a third eye prediction. Now I have a prediction. Hold on. I mean, Mm -hmm. did you say that the Shams tweet was, will not be brought back under any circumstances? No, I did not mention that. Thank you for That's clarifying. <laughs> under any circumstances. Which is, to say the least, it's an odd choice of words. But barring any legal issues that would cause them to say that, I've got a prediction. Dylan Brooks, next year, will be playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. What? The Lakers? No. Third eye open. So that's why he didn't want to talk. That's why he was saying, I'm out. And now he's out of the Memphis Grizzlies plans. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you think LeBron's picking up that 25K check that the league hand down to find? Guys, we did a whole segment. We did a whole episode about how LeBron does his work early he does his work early you guys think he's waiting till trade deadline hey would you like to play with me no 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 early work doubling down on it dylan brooks laker book it kevon looney keeps putting up 20 rebound games and nobody wants to talk about it goat guns are goat Our miniature gun models will make you the center point of attention. Display them at your office desk, bookshelf, or man cave. Collect and customize goat guns to your own liking. Each goat gun model has intricate parts that snap together to assemble. Start your next hobby addiction at goatguns.com.